Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, intelligent, absolutely gorgeous, very hardworking, Disney in the 2010s loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Thank you, baby. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Saturday, August 12th, 2023, and the episode is dropping on Sunday, August 13th, 2023, midway through August already. Why do I, I, I shouldn't say this because it seems like I'm constantly surprised that the yep. calendar moves forward. Yep. <laughs> it is always surprising. It but it, it still amazes me that we're... <laughs> it does. We're, it does amaze me too that, it, you know, it, I was looking at something dated in July, the end of July, and I thought, oh, that was just a couple days ago. And then it's like, no, it was like two weeks ago. It's like yes. old news. Yes. It's almost a month ago at this point. <laughs> It's crazy. Um, but like I said, I, I shouldn't, I, 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 I do this so often and I shouldn't be surprised that the I calendar know. is continuing to move forward. <laughs> Yet I apparently am every single time we do this. It's amazing to me. Thank you for joining us today. Despite that, in the future, you'll find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter. At Hyperion Podcast. Now. I really I'm do. still I think calling it Twitter. <laughs> I think it's officially I'm not, changed. I'm still calling it Twitter. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Also, we are on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from people. We do. In all of those ways. In all of those ways. Every single one of them that we just listed, that we will list again at the end of the show, that right. we list every single week, <laughs> twice a, a week. So at nauseum, tell you're <laughs> sick of it. Where did you get the clue? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well, people probably have even listening to this. They're like, skip. I skip, know. Skip. <laughs> Let's go to get get to something that we never want to skip because you know we are the Disney show of positivity. And so before we get into this week's content, we always like to take a look back at the positive moments from the week that was. We call it my favorite thing from this week. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's wonderful, fantastic, <laughs> all things great in the world. You're about to hear it. She does the best research. You've heard it in the past. She has the best lists. Every single week, you know, she has the very best (laughs) tips. She also almost always has the best my favorite thing from this week. So, Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? Well, my favorite thing actually ended up being a really easy decision for this week because I had such a wonderful day and experience early in the week of going to Walt Disney World, getting to first spend the morning part of the day with Scott and we had a lot of fun over at the Magic Kingdom and then you were able to join us a little later and we got to try some yummy foods and some beverages over at 
the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Yes, and we will be talking about that a little bit later on and give mm-hmm. you you know some of our impressions of what happened that day, where we stayed. Um, just a, It was a quick trip, so mm-hmm. we just a few dishes that we tried and let you know, give you a little bit of a, a look at that. And so maybe you might want to try them if you have a trip planned out in right. the very near future. Very good. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things from this mm-hmm. week on my list. Yeah, oh, for sure. Very good. Uh, my other favorite thing from this week was that as we are recording this today, I am now officially done <laughs> with the job uh, that I've been working for the past 11 months in the hospital um, and um, getting ready to set to start on my next job, which yes. I will begin on Monday. Um, but also... Uh, Part of this, I'm very happy to be moving and transitioning to this new position. Um, but also, uh, what one thing that was really nice was on Friday, um, my manager, my nurse manager, and her, uh, her assistant nurse manager, um, right at the end of my shift, called together a huddle of everybody that was in the unit, mm-hmm. and um, they brought me over forward and they they wanted basically to thank me and well wish me well on my way. And they gave me a little cake and a card that was signed by much of the staff. And it really touched my heart. And it was um, considering I only worked there 11 months. It's not like I'd been there for five years, 10 years, 15 years or whatever, that it was, it was really sweet. And it really made me feel really good. Well, I'm glad you got to experience that. Uh, Well-deserved for sure. Uh, I know that you said you've only been there for 11 months, but that program was brand new when you started. So you kind of helped forge the way and develop how it was going to be structured. You brought a lot of good ideas to the managers on how to make things better as things were rolling out. So I'm glad that they recognized that and recognized, you know, what you bring to the table. Well, it was incredibly kind and nothing I expected, especially from people who work so very hard um, that I, it's just, it's very much appreciated, but um, I'm going to miss all of them over there. I don't think any of them maybe listen to this show, but if there's one or two that do, um, thank you so much. And, uh, like I said, I'm going to miss them all, but I'm also looking forward to this new leg, this new yeah. position that I'll be starting here uh, on Monday. Nice. Yeah. I'm very, very happy good. for you. And congratulations for finishing off on a high note and congratulations on a new ex- new journey for Thank you. Thank you. And of course, Michelle is always the most supportive one in behind <laughs> everything that I do. And I really appreciate her for oh, that as sweet. well. So. Uh, We did get one My Favorite Thing from this week from one of our listeners. This came from Camille in Oregon, who Mm -hmm. is part of the Cotton family, who you may have heard on this show a few times. Um, She had this basically from our cutest Hyperion adventurer. (laughs) She said Lorelai's favorite thing, said her favorite thing of this week was seeing Haunted Mansion at the movie theater. And there's a picture there. This is on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group of her in her little Haunted Mansion dress yeah. that I'm sure Camille created for her. Right. And she looks adorable. Like I said, she's our cutest Hyperion Adventurer. And Absolutely. Seems like they enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. We're hoping to see it within the next couple of weeks. Right. But uh, I've heard good things about yeah. it. Yeah. Glad they had an opportunity to see it. And I know Haunted Mansion is one of Lorelai's favorite attractions. So mm-hmm. I'm glad she got to enjoy yeah. it too. Very cool. Very cool. So let's go ahead and start move forward to this week. We have well, a little bit of stuff for you this week. Actually, not a lot. It was actually a relatively slow news week for Ooh, Disney maybe. this week. 
Um, we do have this though. If you're a college hoops fan and have plans to visit the Walt Disney World Resort around Thanksgiving time, well, we have a little news that you might be interested in. And of course, as we already mentioned, we'll tell you a little bit about our quick trip to the most magical place on earth for a small sample of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. So that's later though. No, I might have another little oh, tidbit. Of course. Well, Michelle will have something great, <laughs> no, of course, as she no. always does. So I can't <laughs> wait for that as well. Again, that's later. Let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week. Quickly approaching, it is just a couple of months away now, the official 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. Couldn't be more excited about it. And what I also can't be more excited about is continuing our series that we've been doing here because Michelle has been doing a fantastic job with it. Our Disney at 100 series where we've basically been looking back at kind of the first 100 years of this company that we all love so much. Uh, I'm very, very excited about it, Michelle. Well, thanks. And uh, I know I say this a lot, but it's one of those that I hope it turns out enjoyable for people. This time I did a little different format. I wanted to try to make sure it wasn't just a history lesson that people felt like it was just you know, matching dates with events kind of things. So we'll see. See, this is how I know it's going to be fantastic <laughs> is because this happens during the week. Every single time she has one of these research pieces, but especially during the Disney 100 series, she'll come up to me, you know, a couple of days before we record. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to bore people to death. I don't know if it's going to be great. And it ends up being fantastic every single time she does oh, that. So I know I'm like, okay, that's sold it. It's going to be one of our best episodes Mm. we've ever had (laughs) what are we talking about this time with our disney at 100 series michelle well you kind of alluded to it at the beginning where you're talking about uh we're looking at the decade uh, starting on uh, 2010 and it was a very interesting and busy i know every time we do this i talk about how busy of a decade it was and this one was no exception to that there's a lot of things that I could have talked about that I had to edit out. So I'll try to at least skim the surface and get some great information, hopefully, that people find, as I said, interesting. Well, I know it's going to be fantastic. It was a great decade within the Disney company, and I can't wait to hear about all of that because, hey, Michelle's research is always (laughs) the best research. You know you're going to learn something you didn't know or maybe it'll just bring back some memories of some things that you had forgotten. But let's go ahead and get to it. Our Disney at 100 series, Disney in the 2010s. Oh, you're so kind. And hopefully I can live up to that uh, very nice intro into this. Um, this one's going to be a little different, I think, than some of our past ones. So let's let's proceed and hope it's a winner. <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt of that. Okay. So as we've said in past episodes, it was a very busy decade here. Uh, they always are. Um, and this one was so much so. Um, for example, there was award winning and some highest grossing films that debuted. Uh, they had four Broadway shows released, one of which received multiple Tony Awards. 
There were two new cruise ships that set sail, uh, and a brand new Disney park, along with park expansions around the globe, uh, new technology, and more acquisitions. Oh, very cool. Can't yeah. wait to hear all about it. Yeah. Busy, busy decade. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of acquisitions, let's recognize, you know, what most of us here in this room would say it's the biggest one of the decade. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh, did it come from a galaxy far, far away? It sure did. Yes, that was a biggie. Yeah, Lucasfilms. So, I just wanted to share with you all what Bob Iger said with the announcement of this acquisition. He said, Lucasfilm reflects the extraordinary passion, vision, and storytelling of its founder, George Lucas. This transaction combines a world-class portfolio of content, including Star Wars, one of the greatest family entertainment franchises of all time, with the Disney's unique and unparalleled creativity across multiple platforms, businesses, and markets to generate sustained growth and drive significant long-term value. Wow. So, yeah, I thought that was a good encapsulation of what their plans were. You know, mm -hmm. first of all, why they were attracted to this this acquisition and what you know they're looking for in in the uh, future. But it was what George Lucas said that I really found interesting and kind of heartwarming. He said, "For the past thirty five years." One of my greatest pleasures has been to see Star Wars passed from one generation to the next. It's now time for me to pass Star Wars on to a new generation of filmmakers. I've always believed that Star Wars could live beyond me, and I thought it was important to set that up the transition during my lifetime. I'm confident that with Lucasfilm under the leadership of Kathleen Kennedy and having a new home within the Disney organization, Star Wars will certainly live on and flourish for many generations to come. Disney's reach and experience gives Lucasfilm the opportunity to blaze new trails in film, television, interactive media, theme parks, live entertainment, and consumer products. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, they can hit kind of across the board with Disney for sure, and they've been attempting to do that as much as possible. You know, as right. I'm sure we'll find out more when we get to the... Uh, the next few years, <laughs> right? you know, after we get through the 10s, there's not many left before we get to the 100-year uh, anniversary, right, but right. I'm sure there's a little bit of more story to be told there. Probably, probably. It's just, to me, it, it seemed kind of cool that George Lucas, you know, really kind of feeling like the dad to this child, the Star Wars universe and wanting to send it off to continue the mm -hmm. legacy and, and feeling like he, he picked a good direction for it. And, you know, um, I just thought that was kind of a really cool sentiment. And I think that uh, I, I know that George felt that, you know, Disney, they had a great, he had a great really working mm -hmm. relationship with Disney for years and years right. and years. Um, and so that's why I'm sure that this was very welcoming to him. Um, knowing that Disney one, you know, obviously they do, you know, put things out there that adults would love, but he boss, they also always focus on the kids and George will tell you that star Wars is supposed to be for kids. Right. I mean, that is whether it be the kid 
uh, that actual age or the kid at heart. Right. You know, I mean, that was the idea behind it. And he said Star Wars was made for young people. Right. And um, I, I think that that fits perfectly with what Disney wants to do. It, it, obviously, they're looking for the youth, but they're not afraid to put things out there that adults will enjoy sure. as well. Right, right. Exactly. All right. Since we're talking about acquisitions, let's take a moment to look at and recognize some of the other highlights of film content from other acquisitions. And, you know, mainly Pixar, Muppets, Marvel, and obviously Lucasfilms. Um, and looking at like by the numbers for this decade. So Pixar, for example, had 11 films released during that decade. Uh, most notable, we all love Pixar films, but some notable um Outliers for this was was Coco, which received two Academy Awards, mm -hmm. and Toy Story three, which won two Oscars and became the highest grossing animated film of all time. Wow! Now, do you remember when we first saw it? Yes, I do. <laughs> we of all random places to see it, <laughs> we were in Las Vegas. Well, let's just say we did not have the best day within the casinos of Las Vegas. So you know what? how we're going to brighten our day? Let's go shed a bunch of tears over a bunch of toys <laughs> that we thought at that point might be the end of the story for them. Right, yeah. right. But uh, we it was great. It was a wonderful trip. Uh, it was a wonderful visit to the theater. Yeah. And uh, for a fantastic movie. Right, exactly. But yeah, you remembered it just like I did. We were we were not doing well with our gambling and said, how are we going to break this up? And thought, okay, Toy Story, that's always fun and mm. cheerful. And who would have guessed? Who that? doesn't go to Vegas to go <laughs> see a Toy Story movie? Really? But yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. And I remember definitely laughing so much that my cheeks hurt and crying so much that I ran out of tissue. Mm -hmm. So yeah. great film, great yeah, film. Hit on, that film hits all the emotions. Definitely. For sure. Um, the next thing, Muppets, they only had two films released, The Muppets and The Muppets Most Wanted. But a fun fact, The Muppets won both an Academy Award and a Grammy for the song Man or Muppet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Such a great song. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we just talked about Lucasfilm acquisition. So in that decade, also very busy at producing some films is uh, a sequel trilogy was released during that decade, along with Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and Solo, a Star Wars story. That's yes. A, that's a lot in 10 years. Yes, getting a lot of Star Wars films out there. We haven't seen much since then, right. but hoping that that's going to come around here very, very soon. Yeah. But Say what you want about the sequel trilogy. I enjoyed it, you know, for what it was. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it was groundbreaking cinema. Right. But I had fun with it. You know, I know it's it's very divisive on what people think of that. But I had a, a great, great time. Yeah. Watching more Star Wars on the theater. And I'll still remember how much fun it was to wait in line. Right. To go see The Force Awakens. Yeah. You know, and I haven't the... waited for so long to right? go see a Star Wars movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. A lot of hype and excitement and buzz. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is one of my all-time mm -hmm. movie, not just Star Wars films, but movies of all time. So. Yeah. Michelle is a huge Rogue One fan, mm -hmm. as am I. But Michelle yeah. is really like... 
It would be a debate on whether or not that that's her favorite of all time of the Star Wars films. She loves it. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, but Marvel films were the most impressive when it came to the numbers of films released during that decade. Uh, any ideas how many films did they release? Oh, man. Um, During that decade, I don't know. Um, Guess of a number? 15. Oh, so close. So close. It was actually 16. So um, it it began with the Marvels, the Avengers, and it went all the way through to Avengers Endgame, which kind of seemed to be a fitting title Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, in in a lot of ways. Uh, In their film releases, and there were so many, and they're, they're wonderful. We could spend a whole episode talking about those, but... Notably was Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually won three Academy Awards and was nominated for Best Motion Picture of the Year. Which is a huge thing for a superhero movie to be nominated oh, yeah. for yeah. for actual Best Picture. That was that was big. Right. Um, I mean, and that I was, could argue it should have won it. But yeah, <laughs> you I, know, know. I know. I mean, it, it was just big to be nominated for sure, because you just don't see that from the superhero genre very often. Right. Now, obviously, it won a lot of other... Um, awards. I was just mainly talking about Academy Awards, but it did win quite a few awards as well as many, many nominations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. no, it was a fantastic film. Just a great film, for sure. Right. Now, um, one of the things is that films were not the only outcome for for these acquisitions, obviously. And so let's look at the decade and see how did these acquisitions come into play when it came to theme parks? Oh, good. I like that. Yeah. I like talking theme parks. All right. So uh, over in Disneyland, the OG Disney theme park, they got Cars Land, which we've talked about many times as one of our favorite as feeling the most immersive experience when you're at a Disney park. Um, And it was the land, in my opinion, that took California Adventure Park from being a, eh, it's all right, to to the next level, to one of your favorite, what could be one of your favorite theme parks if you ever get to visit it, is just visiting Cars Land, just that immersiveness and it started a new era of immersion within, right. I think, the Disney company and what they really want. Not that they weren't doing that before, right. but I mean, really capturing things out of films. Right. I, I think that that kind of was the real start of definitely where they were going for the next several years with a lot of their new lands and right. areas within these theme parks. Right. And like we've said in the past, this one um, lent itself to be so fantastic because you were totally recognizing what was in the film. It was just almost like a duplicate. You were set into that land for sure. And it, you know, it's good that that was kind of in a bubble area that it made it easy that, that it was a, you know, it was just one street, you know, route right. uh, 66, um, just through this little town of radiator Springs. Mm-hmm. And so it was really easy to kind of reimagine that right. into an actual land because yeah. you, you, you could just see it. It's just an easy, quick strip of, of a small town. Right. Uh, and, but they, they accomplished it yeah. so, so well. Yeah. Yeah. When you're there, you're in Radiator Springs. For sure. Um, the other thing that in terms of Marvel that they had there was Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Yeah, that yeah. was the, the transition. Mm-hmm. What was originally, just like in Disney's Hollywood Studios, it was the Tower right. of Terror. It was a lesser version mm-hmm. of the Tower of Terror. Um, they had some limitations of what they could do with that space and what they created with that. 
Um, so they decided to, hey, look, you know, we need some Marvel here. Let, right. Here, what can we do? And they made it different and yeah. in a in a good way, in my opinion. I I love the Tower of Terror. Right. But I also love uh, Mission Breakout. Right. I think it's 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 co- good storytelling yeah. and it's interesting. Yeah. Get that music. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a precursor to now Cosmic Rewind. Right. You know, exactly. It's kind of a similar thing in that you you know you're it could be different when you write it every time right. or, or many times because of the difference in the music. Yeah. It's one of those, every time you get off, you ask, or you hear somebody else went on, you're like, what song did you write? And things like that. So, and this is one of the ones too, that during the holidays, they have an uh, overlay that Mm -hmm. is. They have a couple of them. They also have one for Halloween too, at least at night. um, They have a a different one for Halloween as well. Right. So um, now over in Hong Kong, the Iron Man experience debuted during this decade. Now, another uh, acquisition or deal that we didn't talk much about was the deal made with James Cameron in being able to have the theming of Avatar in a Disney park. So the world of Avatar, the Pandora, the world of Avatar, uh, opened in Walt Disney World over at Animal Kingdom, which seemed to be like a really good fit there Mm -hmm. um, during that decade. Uh, And of course... Galaxy's Edge, which appeared in both Disneyland and Walt Disney World, subsequent to the acquisition. Yeah, which all both lands fantastic. Um, right, some of our favorites to, yeah. to go oh, visit. Yeah. Just, yeah, just taking it again, the immersion factor in right. both in both lands. Fantastic. It's a different type of immersion because it doesn't have the same sceneries that you you have experienced in the films. But it has all the elements right. of a you know, Star Wars. Right. If you're in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, it feels Star Wars-y. Right. It feels it's different. It's not like we're you're not and some people wish they were, like visiting Tatooine or visiting, I don't know, um Endor right. or whatever. It's not that. But you walk in, especially like when you go to the marketplace, it's like yeah. you feel like you're in Star right. Wars for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's got and that Olga's age, and, like it's been right. there for centuries. Yes, feel. yeah. A lot of great Easter eggs too. Mm-hmm. So. Now, the reason I've been emphasizing these acquisitions and what they've been doing with it, with it is, you know, one, to see why Disney was benefiting from them, obviously, but kind of also is some of the whys you know, obviously bottom line is the real reason why, but Disney had always been considered obviously, you know, very kid friendly, family friendly entertainment. And these new ventures really help the company drive to be also attractive to teens and adults mm-hmm. that may not have been as big of Disney fans mm-hmm. as what some other, you know, age groups and things like that yeah i mean you know everybody loves fantasy land you know but uh, let's face it fantasy land is basically built for more young kids you know uh so you kind of you do want that outlet especially for the the teenagers and the young adult Mm -hmm. uh audience out there and yes it does draw in from genres that maybe uh, okay i don't really watch Disney animated films, right. you know, I'm too cool, whatever you want to do. Um, but I do, I loved Avatar right? or I love Star Wars. Right. Um, yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And now I love Marvel. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. 
So great business strategy mm-hmm. for sure. Now, there was one other film that came out in that decade that I have to bring up. It was not anything associated with any of the acquisitions, content providers, uh, actually from Disney Animation Studios. But it did have an enormous impact on the company in so many ways, obviously in the film industry, uh, but also attractions, restaurant, meet and greets, Broadway musical, sequel, mm-hmm. merchandise, lots and lots of merchandise. Um, so, honey, can you, do you know what film I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, as we all know, <laughs> hashtag real men love Frozen. <laughs> so you better believe I know this one. That's right. I wasn't sure I was giving you enough good clues. Oh, oh come on. I, I know my Frozen decade. <laughs> So, yes, Frozen came out in this decade. And, you know, obviously that's been such a huge, not only a huge hit, but has brought so many other outlets to utilize that that theming to bring joy to so many people. It's, look, I, I, don't get me started, okay? Yeah, because I'm going to get It's a fantastic else. franchise <laughs> between shorts and films and music and stage shows right. and everything else. It's wonderful. And it all kicked off in this decade That's right. and couldn't make me happier. Exactly. But really, that wasn't the biggest storyline that unfolded in this decade. Okay. So, um, Maybe not to you. Well, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, now, what really, what we're going to focus on now, really started to, um, let's say, brew up in actually the middle of the decade, actually 2016. Mm. Now, you may recall from our last episode in the series, we were talking about how Disney was making some unique moves of providing on-demand content, you know, with the release of some films and TV shows and things through other services. Um, But the issue really came out during an earnings conference call in August, excuse me, it was 2015. I don't know why I said 16, 2015. And boy, oh boy, what happened after that is an incredible journey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, during that, con- do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't think I do. Uh, okay. So during that conference call, it was revealed that the subscription revenue from ESPN oh. cable packages, which was for years a real cash cow for Disney, was really quickly going downward mm-hmm. and um, there was big concerns and streaming services like Netflix and Amazon were also, you know, really getting into, you know, Hollywood and things like that and creating a TV alternative in uh, a movement away from traditional cable TV services. Mm-hmm. As uh, internet speeds were increasing, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi ability increasing, right. the ability to bring some of these home in a different way. Yeah was really taking off. Right, yeah. right. So during this earnings call, Iger, he was very open about the issue, um, but it seemed to be kind of like a real wake-up call that the company was kind of being left behind in the competition there. Uh, and it definitely showed in the stock market because the very next day, Disney stock dropped 9%. Mm, wow, that's a big drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the company needed to take bold steps pretty quickly and... Typically for a company of that size, that's a monumental task for mm-hmm. sure. So how did they do this? Well, 
they did use great strategy. So the first big move was another type of acquisition. So just one year after that conference call, the Disney company acquired 33% of the company called BAM Tech. Had you heard of that? Not before that. I remember when that was, that was news, that they had purchased a big chunk of that, yeah. Do you know what BAM Tech was involved with at that time? If I recall, and I didn't know anything about it, but mm-hmm. like I said, but I, I'm trying to recall what I read about it, but I thought it was interesting because, you know, everything led to that this is something that's going to be able to enable them to do streaming mm-hmm. more efficiently because it was something that I believe was used by sports. Right. You got it. Um, leagues or sports yeah. broadcasting. MLB, actually. Right. Yeah. was one of the bigger, I mean, others, other sporting mm-hmm. Um, com- companies were, were using it too, but that was one of their, their first and biggest. So, right. So it was a technology service and video streaming company. And it, with this deal though, so Disney was going to own a third of the company, but with the option to acquire the majority in the future, if they so desired. So um, in some press release, there was some information that said BAM Tech would collaborate with ESPN to launch and distribute a new ESPN branded multi-sport subscription streaming service in the future. And a direct to consumer service will feature content provided by both BAM tech and ESPN and include live sporting events. Mm -hmm. So um, here's what Bob Iger said about it. He said, our investment in BAM tech gives us the technology infrastructure We need to quickly scale and monetize our streaming capabilities at ESPN and across our company. We look forward to working closely with BAM Tech as we explore new ways to deliver unmatched content of the Walt Disney Company across a variety of platforms. So, yeah, uh, I remember, you know, when that was happening and, you know, it's still the problem today is ESPN uh, broadcast ESPN Mm -hmm. has been struggling a bit as far as pulling in numbers, but most networks are now. I mean, mainstream television networks, broadcast networks. Mm -hmm. Um, But ESPN had been doing that for a while. It was kind of wallowing around and not figuring out what to do. And they they were, you know, let's look at this. And so it was big news buying this that a lot of people were talking about. I worked in sports radio at the time, so I was talking about this is a way ESPN can expand. Right. Through this ability now that we're seeing with at that point with Netflix and like you mentioned mm-hmm. Prime and everything else, to get these games, to get these the sports broadcast out there in different ways, right? And yes, um, that might open up some other avenues for Disney as well. But right. I thought that you know the first discussion was okay. This is good for them. This will maybe help ESPN out in, in regard. Yes, it's not going to help the broadcast version right. of it, but it's going to be able to keep the product alive. Sure. Well, especially since ESPN was really a, at the p- time the driver in in this because uh, Disney was getting paid for some content that they were sharing on other streaming services, but the cable TV subscription, you know, subscriptions mm-hmm. going away made ESPN more problematic monetarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we've mentioned in the past, the th- the deal with ESPN and Disney, it goes beyond just sending that sports right. broadcast. There's so many other weaved in, deals and things with other companies that if you lose that you lose so much more for sure 
for sure. And buying this this service already, it helped Disney. And I think maybe you're getting around mm-hmm. to this as well. Um, the fact that they didn't have to start from the ground floor. They purchased right. a company that already had the equipment started, the process started right. to get them moving more in the direction of where they wanted to go. First with ESPN, but then onward to some other things right. as well. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah, you're right. So it, but it was still a really big step forward, um, you know, kind of immediately changing course here of what they were working on before that. Um, and Iger knew that more steps obviously were going to be needed. So the very next year, he went to the board of directors and presented a pitch to go ahead and go for that majority ownership of BAM Tech. And uh, during an interview with Bill Simmons, he said, I went to the board and not only presented that acquisition, but presented it in the context of what would ultimately be a complete pivot strategically. And that was launching a direct-to-consumer ESPN and Disney branded service. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So um, now when you think of something like this happening, one of the things you think of, there's so many behind the things, behind the scenes things going on like that have to take place. Obviously, there's restructuring, um, whether it's reassigning new top leadership or, or acquiring new leadership, uh, bringing together new teams and what are they going to be called? Um, you, you know, changing maybe some existing contracts too. Cause as I mentioned, they had Disney had contracts with Comcast and Netflix as well as some others, um, that there was a real concern that this would be leaked. And then Disney was going to kind of be on the defensive at that point. And so, what do you think they do to prevent that from happening? Phew, I don't know. Why I, I have no idea. What what did they do? Tell us. They decided to announce it themselves <laughs> early. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the Florida project, right? you know, when they <laughs> when people, they finally got little... when they were, uh, people were already sniffing around and mm-hmm. figuring it out, and it was starting to break the news, and they're like, you know what? Let's get out in front of this. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. So in August of two hundred and. 200 no 2017 uh in in that earnings call now remember it's just two years after that infamous earnings call with the massive loss within espn um that Iger is now making this new announcement and this is what he said he said today we announce a strategic shift in the way we distribute our content the media landscape is increasingly defined by direct relationships between content creators and consumers and our control of BAM Tech's full array of full array of innovative technology will give us the power to forge those connections, along with the flexibility to quickly adapt to shifts in the market. This acquisition and the launch of our direct-to-consumer services mark an entirely new growth strategy for the company, one that takes advantage of the incredible opportunity that changing technology provides us to leverage the strength of our great brands. Yeah, very good. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, They also put out a press release that they were going to move forward with this option to obtain the majority ownership of BAM. Um, and, And one of the things in that was... Uh, press releases that the new Disney branded service will become the exclusive home in the United States for subscription video on demand viewing of the newest live action and animated movies from Disney and Pixar, beginning with a 2019 theatrical slate, 
which includes Toy Story 4, the sequel to Frozen, and The Lion King from Disney Live Action, along with other highly anticipated movies. Disney will also make a significant investment in the annual slate of original movies, TV shows, short-form contents, and other Disney-branded exclusives for the service. And additionally, the service will feature a vast collection of library content, including Disney and Pixar movies, Disney Channel, Disney Junior, and Disney XD television programming. Yeah, and I remember everybody speculating on what would be included. Like, what are we going to mm-hmm. get out of the vault right. again? And, and what will be there and have access to when this this streaming service debuts? Right. It, it was an exciting time to, to think about. And, you know, I think it's still an exciting time. Oh, yeah. Personally, I think they, well, I, people will comment on this isn't there or that isn't there or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, maybe some of the programming isn't as great as some of the other programming. Fine. I still think Disney has delivered with Disney. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Now at the same time, they had to announce that they were going to end their distribution agreement with Netflix uh, for new releases beginning in 2019. Um, And interestingly, in an interview with um, CNBC, Bob Iger said that Disney has no plans to pull Marvel shows from Netflix though. Yeah. And he, he added that they do have a good relationship with Netflix and that, uh, they may decide to license other contents with Netflix in the future. Well, that may have changed a little bit in the last few years. But yes, I mean, it was, yeah, they, they did have their Marvel programming already on Netflix. Right. And, and there was an issue, obviously, that there were some films that had been released that were contractually binded to some of the other streaming mm-hmm. services and uh, for a while because it was these were done before... Right. Disney Plus debuted, but eventually they've made their way to Disney Plus. Right. Now, interestingly, now I could not find what I felt was a reliable source, even though I had a couple sources say Bloomberg said something. I couldn't find the Bloomberg article that said this, but what they were saying is this, when they dissolved this or, you know, ceased to provide to through go through Netflix for distribution after 2019, that there was a clause in there saying that in 2026, Netflix could have some of the, the content back and it would be pulled from the streaming service. But I couldn't confirm that, but I thought that was kind of interesting if that really... Yeah. Still ever exists. If, if, it, if that does exist, and I don't know if it does or not, um, it's a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's a it's it's a discussion. Right, right. Now, you know, we talked about Disney announcing this early, kind of putting themselves in the driver's seat of how this information is getting um, distributed, for no better word. Um, but the other benefit is it gave the company a couple years of having some free publicity with the press really trying to find out more about this in printing or, you know, putting out their whatever they could find. So it, it was really something too that helped stimulate the the interest mm-hmm. in the, the streaming service. I know it did us. We were ready to like, oh, when they announced it, we were ready to purchase already. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, you know, and so for example, like in 2018, Disney announced that John Favreau would create a new live action hmm. Star Wars series for Disney Plus. That's all they kind of said about it. But several months later, Favreau, 
posted on his Instagram the name and the concept of the series, The Mandalorian. So all this excitement couldn't have happened if there wasn't that already announcement that sure. this streaming was going to mm-hmm. come up. Um, interestingly, too, is the Disney Plus website when it first opened, which was before the service started, um, you know, had that the, the blue color. But it was very simple. But it did include the the major content areas of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and mm-hmm. Nat Geo. Um, eventually, it added a countdown clock. And it did, I don't know if you remember this, I do, um, invited people to sign up for email notifications. Yes, So, sure. Which was brilliant, because now they have a database of people who are interested with their email address. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, you know, something that happened in the middle of the decade they quickly, surprisingly, especially for a large company, reacted and responded to that challenge and, and came up with that in 2019, this launch of a, a brand new service. And as Iger said, you know, to not only provide a streaming, you know, direct to consumer, but it also opened up avenues for additional pro- contents to be created and how that could flow into other areas of their business. I remember, you know, and this was obviously just a couple months before it actually debuted, but in August of 2019 was the D23 Expo 2019. Mm, I was about to say, talk about that. Okay. No, say what you're going to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was so much focus on there, knowing that this was coming and so much excitement right. displays uh, throughout the, the, uh, the conference floor mm-hmm. and, and a, an entire panel based on what's coming up here right you know and then there was other things that we got to go and and do that were involved with you know this promotion disney plus plus you could sign up right right there on the site for a discounted rate for three years that you're you're locked into for disney plus it was phenomenal marketing to the to their biggest fans right exactly you know and so and that's kind of a nice transition because what i was really going to bring up about D23 in 2019 is is they also shared lots of new and exciting plans for the future. It was showing that the company wasn't slowing down. They weren't going to be just focused into Disney Plus, that so many other elements within the parks and within films were going to be happening. Um, But now, you know, in hindsight, we know there was no prediction to come close of what was going to happen in 2020. But that's a story for another time because we're stopping this episode at 2019. Um, But before closing out, I want to point out that, though, that there were other great things happening within the company uh, that guests were able to enjoy during this decade. Um, Plus, the company was consistently providing humanitarian aid. Uh, to communities for really incredible devastations. There were wildfires, hurricanes, an earthquake, a tsunami. Um, And in fact, that was during the time that there was the massive oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Right. And they have um, a movement they, they called Disney's Friends for Change. And it was a way to help encourage kids to help the planet and this this entity of the company gave $100,000 to support the cleanup efforts. Uh, but they also launched new content to run on their Disney Channel, Disney XD, Disney Radio, and uh, Disney.com that had video content 
to help the kids help kids really talk about what was going on and how they felt about it and what were their issues and concerns. And then on the website, they had some toolkits to help kids organize their own community waterway cleanup and, and other resources of how to take action to help save the planet and why it was important. So, you know, really a lot of heart still there of what was going on in the company. So as I mentioned at the start, there was a lot happening in the decade and could only scratch the surface here, but hopefully you found it interesting. I did. I, it was great to relive because it's such a pivotal decade, at mm-hmm. least in, in, it, it was back. It was that decade. I think is when my, my love, not that I ever fell completely out mm-hmm. of love with Disney, but it was, the fire was fueled again during right. that decade. And so many things came out of it that were, that really struck home to me um, that I, 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 it, I'm enamored with the decade and right. all the, the, that was done within the theme parks, within the, the films, within, yeah. you know, a brand new streaming service, which we love with, with all our heart. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was all fueled during that decade. And it's kind of cool to walk down memory lane and right. remember it all. Yeah. Right. So, I, and, and how it got to there and why some of the behind the scenes that I didn't even know of before yeah. doing this research, you know, I, I agree. Um, I even, I have with what you're saying and I have to agree with some other, you know, individual authors that I was reading some things on to research for this is they, they kind of compared it to the Renaissance. Yes, it was in many ways of, of the, the uh, 1980s and, you know, the 1990s had some good films, but you know, some people might say in the, the aughts that maybe it wasn't as strong, but, Yes. In this right decade. near the end of the aughts, it mm-hmm. started to pick up again right. and it carried over and just steamrolled throughout right. the 10s for sure. Right. You know, and with, you know, when you think of the fact that Marvel, I mean, they closed the deal on New Year's Eve of, you know, 2009. So in essence, it was really 2010 that this really started to take hold. I mean, as I said last time, I knew of Marvel comics, but not really much of it. And to be introduced to a whole new universe through the films has Mm -hmm. been an incredible journey. Um, When you look at Star Wars and how long, like you said, since we had had a, a a Star Wars film, and in this decade we went through a whole trilogy along with some other films that, yes, there was... It was a very exciting times. Yeah, uh, completely. And, you know, it doesn't stop there. It's the, the animation, the films uh, during much of that decade mm-hmm. were exquisite on both the Disney animation side right. and the Pixar side. We talked about a few of them. Right. Um, it was just a, it was a really, really big decade for Disney. Oh, yeah. It really, really was. Um, and a lot of what we love now right. came out of it. Yeah. I mean, they were doing a lot with technology with um, My Disney Plus and My Disney Experience app, the Play Disney app launched. Um, oh, yeah. They had Alani. Open yeah, and, opened. yeah, in the fact, two it, new ships, yeah, and a, and the a dream few, and the fantasy, right? In a few weeks, Alani's going to have their 12th anniversary already, wow. so yeah, very good. Hard um, to believe that Alani's been around for 12 years. I know, I know. Like I mean, I would have said like seven or eight, I think, but 12, that's right, that's cool, right? 
And some other funny little things as uh, Once Upon a Time debuted yeah. on ABC in that decade. I love that show. I know. And American Idol premiered in 2018. So, hey. The, the, uh, the ABC version of American Idol because American Idol was on before on Fox before that. Oh, right, right. Yeah. 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 So, but anyways, yeah, lots. Like I said, I could go on and on. There's a lot of information out there and a lot of things that we know happen. But yeah. It was great. No, Michelle, research, <laughs> always the best research, always learn stuff. I didn't know, or maybe I just forgotten, but um, very good job again, Michelle, taking oh, us through you. that walk through uh, the last, the, the decade prior to this one. And, and well, it's been you. great. So far, you've just done a fantastic job with uh, this series. You're sweet. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Um, great job. What do you remember about the 2010s? What's your favorite part of the 2010s? What what inspired you? What kind of flame, uh, fueled your Disney flames, you know, that you really enjoyed? We'd love to hear it. Uh, yeah. let, us, let us know through the social media, through the Gmail account, whatever, and we'll share it on a future show. Thanks again, Michelle. Always, she just does always such a fantastic job. I know I say it over and over and over again, but that is how much I believe in it. Michelle's research is always the best research. I'm always fascinated to find out things about the Walt Disney Company in these various different eras, various different decades. Uh, Michelle, great job once again. Wow, thank you so much, sweetie. I appreciate the kind words and hopefully others felt the same way. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Now, uh, obviously, we have the Disney Stories of the Week coming up, but we also, as we mentioned earlier, did get a chance this week to visit the Walt Disney World Resort for just a quick trip out there to experience uh, a few things, including especially the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about that, tell you a little bit about our short. It was, for you, it was about 36 hours. For me, it was about... (laughs) less than 24 but uh it was a it was a good and fun trip yeah it was actually filled it was short time but we filled to capacity all the things that we could fit in that time frame right so So we did this on sunday and monday Mm -hmm. of this uh, previous week uh michelle i had to work on sunday so michelle and scott decided to head over there first in the morning Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us uh, what you experienced when you went out there with him? So we headed out, like you said, really early. We were actually at, we dropped the car off and we're at the gate at Magic Kingdom just a little bit uh, before actual opening. We ha- we were during the early opening for having a re- stay at the resort there. So that was kind of nice. And um, we we did our traditional rides that Scott enjoys, which is predominantly going to see Winnie the Pooh, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh multiple times, and it's a small world multiple times. But we threw in some other stops to enjoy. Since we had that recent episode on ice cream, we thought it's really hot and how many different ice creams can we consume? <laughs> Just making a day of ice cream. A day of ice cream. Which sounds pretty darn good. Who needs food? Sounds pretty darn good. <laughs> Who yeah, needs it, vegetables? It's been crazy hot down here this week. I think you hit it before we hit the peak of the heat. Right. It was still really, really hot that day. Yeah. Um. Actually, I think one starting early enough that 
it hadn't gotten as humid either at that point. Um, but yeah, we did our old faithful that we love, which is the haunted mansion shake with a donut on the top. And yeah, it's a, it's a Columbia Harbor house. It's like a raspberry shake or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. or black raspberry maybe. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's really a, a really really delicious shake. And and what's nice is it's not super super sweet, so. Um, we had that. We also ate some some food there while we were having our shake and stuff. So we well, had it's a good spot for food. Yeah, yeah. So um, tried their their fried fish platter, which mm. was really good. Um, and one of the things I found out because I've never indulged, I figured if I'm eating ice cream, <laughs> I'm throwing away the nuts. diet. Yeah, I'm eating fried food, which I never do. Um, but that their uh, hush puppies were yummy. Right. <laughs> so, so yummy. That's good to know. I like it's a, a good, good hush puppy. side to have, you know. Um, you know, Scott had, had a dish as well. He had some uh, chicken, tenders, chicken right? tenders. Yeah. And so he had fries and I had the tater tots, although we split them between the two of us. But it, that was really great. Um, we also tried out the tangled. Sunday, mm. which is well, we discussed in our last episode. We discussed yeah. in our last episode. Um, it was very refreshing. It, it's mainly like Dole Whip and mm. another type of um, ice cream that is more fruit flavored. Skips my mind right now. What Where kind. is that available again? That is at Storybook Treats uh-huh. in the Magic Kingdom. Okay. Yeah, and uh, that was good. And then uh, we did, you know, like I said, we kind of bounced around with some of the attractions we looked around at different things and then we when it opened up we went to the ice cream shop <laughs> and had a brownie sundae yeah <laughs> so, which is one of our favorites yeah um so that was a lot of of ice cream in one day but it was really good especially with the heat and we had a great time with it and Scott was just so happy and enjoying it at all. So um, it it started to kind of get where it was midday and hot. Uh, we we walked around, did a few other sightseeing things at, at um, the park, but then decided to head out. He wanted to do a, the loop around. Yeah, you just put we put Scott monorail. on the monorail. Yeah, he's that's just, his favorite he's attraction. He's as happy monorail. as could be. Yeah. So, um, but interestingly, he wanted to get off at the poly. <laughs> he really well, liked. Who doesn't? I know. Let's be honest. Who I doesn't know. want to stop at the poly? So we stopped there briefly, went inside. Unfortunately, the rain clouds were starting starting to build, and I knew we were going to be taking uh, a boat back to our resort over at um, Boulder Ridge. Disney's Wilderness Lodge. The Wilderness Lodge, right? So I thought, all right, the best thing to do is let's just get back on the monorail, head over to Magic Kingdom, and catch our ride back to the to the resort. Uh, we we almost made it before the rains dumped on us. Not quite, but uh, it wasn't too bad. Our room was ready. That was the other great thing. Yeah, it was ready early. That yeah, was it was ready before noon. So that was awesome. And so we were able to get in our room and get some showers to cool down and clean off all the rain that had dumped on us um, and hung out waiting for you to get back. Yes, and waited a few hours for me to finally get out there, but I arrived around 
5.30-ish mm-hmm. to get out there once I got off work and I went, swung by the house, changed clothes, picked up a few things right. that Michelle didn't want sitting in the hot car all day, <laughs> um, understandably. So I grabbed those and headed on out there and met up. And yeah, we were staying at the, met them at the Wilderness Lodge, Disney's Wilderness Lodge. And we were staying, this is the first time we've ever stayed. We visited the lobby space and kind of mm-hmm. the building, but we've never actually stayed in the Boulder Ridge Villas. And this was the first time we'd done that. We stayed in a deluxe studio. Right. Um, and we, I, I, apparently we got assigned actually an assess, accessible right. studio. So yeah, we um, hadn't requested that, but that's right. what but we I guess given. that was what was available. Right. Um, so that's what we got. Uh, Michelle, why don't you tell them a little bit about the, uh, the studio Boulder Ridge villas in, in right. general and what you thought of the place? Well, um, it, you know, and since we haven't stayed in a stu- regular studio, regular deluxe studio, can't compare it with that from Boulder Ridge, but I'm assuming their layout of those would be the same that you would see at the other vacation clubs. So this one in particular, though, was a little bit more spacious in the area where the bed and the the couch were, which was kind of nice. It felt a lot more wide open, and I'm sure that's because it needed extra space in case somebody had a wheelchair. Um, but what we lost was a little bit of space in the bathroom. That was a, a much smaller space. Um, yeah, the shower was relatively small. Right. Considering. Right. I mean. And and most of the, the deluxe suites you'll have either a shower and a bathtub, or at least, you know, a bathtub with the shower there. And then like a separate area for the, the toilet. And so this was all one little small space. And even the vanity was kind of, truncated compared to those but like I said we gained space in the living area which was kind of nice um it also did not have then a little table and chair to sit at not that that mattered because we were going to be going out anyways for dinner but that was something in the accessibility room that we realized now you could sit at the couch and had that little coffee table Mm-hmm. to utilize to which eat. actually uh, raises up a little bit I right believe, so you could go a little bit higher with it if need be to right. kind of make exactly. it a dining space yeah. yeah so it's not like we missed it um i think one of the things you mentioned and totally agree with it, it's it was kind of a room that may be one or two nights but much beyond yeah. that might feel a little bit small um, but the one great thing that they did have, you now they all come with a little refrigerator, mini refrigerator, but this one actually had a freezer component to it. So as much as I was ready to utilize your, your tip <laughs> of giving our, you know, chill packs to the Bell station to ask them to chill them for us overnight, we didn't need that. Didn't be- need to do it this time. Because we had a freezer right. that we were actually able to refreeze them. Right. So that was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Um, my impression of the space was, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, obviously it's different or I would expect it to be a bit different from what a deluxe studio is. It's not accessible. Um, but it was still laid out pretty well. There was spacious within it. Um, many of the amenities that you would find in a normal uh, DVC room were there. Mm -hmm. You know, you had your coffee maker, you had your, um, toaster, um, the sofa that, uh, does is also a Murphy bed, right. which I like that. Uh, I, I like that they've done that with a lot of the rooms, uh, now since they've kind of been refurbishing them. Right. Um, I, I thought the decorations were cute. There was a lot of, um, 
Donald and his nephews mm-hmm. uh, in various camping type situations right. and the artwork that was really cool. Uh, I will say that it has a very small balcony. Like, you know, right. these rooms are meant to be able to fit up to five people. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to fit more than two people on the balcony. Right. It's right. very small. We did have a decent view. I mean, if you like just kind of wilderness trees, mm-hmm. kind of that look. And since you were at the Wilderness Lodge, why not? Right. Um, so I like that. It was a little too sticky to really sit outside for a long period of time. But um, if you're looking for something with a nice you know, place to sit out and enjoy um, with more than just two people, that might not be the space for you. Right. But I do love that building. The lobby area that they have mm-hmm. there is so cool. It's like a secondary Wilderness Lodge lobby right. within this building. Right. And it's so quaint and wonderful. And there are so many cool little places to sit and relax that I do like that building a lot. Um, like I said, I and you alluded to it already. I don't know if we would stay there for a week, but for a night stay, two night stay, not a bad little space to 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 uh, enjoy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and you know for the points that you use, it, you know it's it's pretty good in that regards. And kind of going on with what you were saying about the balcony, that is one thing that the balcony is smaller than any of the other balconies we've ever experienced at a Disney Vacation Club. But the other thing is, even if you have a one bedroom or a two bedroom room there you only get that one tiny balcony so that's that's that that's one of its drawbacks for sure especially if you like sitting on the balcony and again if it's just two people you're probably okay right but if you have a family there it's going to get a little difficult to get everybody out on the balcony oh for sure enjoy yourself just know that going in right Uh, a lot of other things about it are fantastic that's just something to know right Um, but i mean for this time of the year where it was even in the morning it was so hot and muggy 80 plus i I went outside at like 7 a.m to go sip i was gonna take my coffee outside and sit outside (laughs) and i'm like i can't do it it's like 80 plus and just so muggy out. I had to go back in. It was, right. it was too much. It just, I couldn't really enjoy it as much as I would have liked. So. Right. So for our purposes during it was this trip, fine. it didn't matter. It, it didn't really fine. come into play at all. But yes, right. if, if you're there during another time. And I think for the most part, a lot of their rooms don't have the, you know, the view. It's not like you would typically see the parks or anything like no, that. No, not so. from there. No. But like you said too, the lobby, it's not huge and grand like the Wilderness Lodge lobby, but it it I think when you use the word quaint, that captured it really mm-hmm. wonderfully. It has a lot of little treasures and nooks and crannies and, and one of the things I noticed when we arrived and were actually going into that building, saw multiple people sitting in the rocking chairs outside. So it was good to see that people were actually taking advantage of what they have to offer there. There's a lot of nice little sitting areas. If you have to do like a conference call, Zoom meeting or something like that, and you don't want to do it. Or if you just want a quiet place to read and maybe, you know, get away from from the kids for a a little bit, you know, Um, or just get, you know, just get to sit and be in a space that's, you know, sometimes you can fit five people in a deluxe studio. Right. It can feel pretty tight. 
maybe you need a little space to kind of just relax and stretch out exactly quiet you know but it's a good spot yeah and if you do like i said if you do need to move get away to have like a private zoom meeting for work or something like that there's space there Mm -hmm. there's you know um well internet's free there but you also have areas where you can plug in little tables around here and there so no it's really really nice little lobby area and much quieter than i mean even you know obviously we love the Wilderness Lodge's lobby itself, it's one of our favorites, mm-hmm. but this is just a little bit quieter, a little bit more off the beaten path right. um, version of that, but you, you get that still that kind of Wilderness Lodge uh, feeling there. Right. So, so I arrived and then we, you know, didn't take us long. We decided to go ahead and head out to the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, of course, at the at Epcot, and um, we knew we weren't going to be there for an extended period of time. It'd been a long day for Michelle and Scott already. It'd been a long day for me. I had to be up at, to work early, so we knew we weren't going to be doing a late night there. But we did want to go experience a few things, get a little taste of it, um, and you know, obviously get something to eat. So we did hit up a few places. Most of them were kind of near the front. Um, I think they call it World Discovery now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of near the front area, um, not far from Test Track and everything. Um, and then just at the entry of World Showcase, we hit up a few places. Um, we didn't want to ex- really go all the way back into the World Showcase. We'll save that for a later time when we can really delve into the Food and Wine Festival. But we did want to hit a few things, and we right. did. Um, and there were several things that we really, really enjoyed that we sampled. Oh, for sure. Um, we actually... Got one dish that we had had tried last year, but we tried some new offerings mm-hmm. that they had this year that were so enjoyable, so fun. So yeah, are, are for we... sure, we'll go through them right here. All right. So uh, first thing we went through, we went to the Flavors from Fire booth uh, marketplace, um, and we tried a couple things there. We got the smoked corned beef with house-made potato chips, cheese curds, pickled onions, and beer cheese fondue. Uh, we also had the chimichurri marinated uh, skirt steak taco with crushed avocado, grilled corn salsa, pickled red onions, queso fresco, and cilantro lime cream. And of course, you know, we love our wine. We had to get a little <laughs> wine with that. We got the Four Virtues Bourbon Barrel Zinfandel. Michelle, what did you think of those three items? Um, the Zinfandel was really good. It was good. And I thought it paired nicely with the dishes. I was uh, really expecting that the chimichurri was going to be my favorite. The taco. The taco. But the smoked corned beef, I thought was amazing. And I enjoyed that um, way better than the taco. The taco, I think, was good. It just, they really did not have enough filling for the amount of tortilla that they had. Right. That was my impression of it. Right. So it really wasn't as flavorful in that regard. It was a lot of tortilla, in not a lot of, I mean, they had a good amount of avocado actually, which mm-hmm. was kind of nice. Um, and the the skirt steak itself was uh, was very flavorful. Right. You just didn't get enough of it for this size right. tortilla. <laughs> um, but other than that, it was it was very good. And I don't know if it was just we ran into one where they didn't fill it as much as they would for another right. one. I don't know. Um, but that's what happened with that. I agree with you. Smoked corned beef was fantastic. It had, you know, you've probably had the house-made potato chips that they have uh, around Disney at various different locations. Mm-hmm. Those are always great. Yes. Uh, the corned beef was wonderful. It had a good smoky flavor. It was tender. Uh, really, really nice. Um, but the cheese fond, the beer cheese fondue, 
that you were able to pick up with the chips and um, you know, get with the corned beef and everything really made this dish. It was luscious yes. and it was wonderful. Oh, for sure. Definitely would try it again. Yep. Yep. It was one of our faves for sure. Mm-hmm. So then right next door, we went over and hit up the fry basket. And we love the fry basket mm-hmm. from last year's right. Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. So we had to hit up that again. And they had a couple new things to try there. So we got everything. We're going <laughs> to hit it all. We're going to totally fry out on this one. Uh, just to, for you. We did this for you, not for us. <laughs> so we could sample it guests. all. Yes, for our uh, listeners. First of all, the returning the fry flight, which we tried from last year, which includes the sea salt and malt vinegar fries, the barbecue bacon fries with smoked aioli, and the sweet potato casserole fries with candy pecans, toasted marshmallow cream, and maple bourbon bla- uh, glaze were on point mm-hmm. once again. Right. Fantastic. They pair well together. They're different tastes. You mm-hmm. sample um, throughout them, try them all right. in different areas. <laughs> Scott went through the sea Scott. salt ones really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you love those. I love the barbecue bacon fries, but combining them with, uh, you know, and with the, the, you know, sweet the sweet potato, so you get a little smoky, mm-hmm. you get a little sweet. Um, really, really good. What did you think, Michelle? Yeah, same thing. I agree totally with what you said. Uh, I think... Uh, of those, my favorite standout was the sweet potato one, um, but they were all delicious. Mm-hmm. I would just say it edged, just eked out above the others, but they were all great. Yeah, they're great, and they're a great combination together. Right. I'm glad so they brought it back. Highly recommend you trying that. Uh, like I said, we also got the adobo yuca fries with garlic, uh, cilantro, aioli. I'll say this about them. Uh, the texture is on point. I love mm-hmm. yuca fries. Mm-hmm. These were a bit salty. They, they had a good garlic right. flavor to them, but the salt pushed it over a little bit too much to not the most pleasant dish. They right. weren't terrible, but they weren't great. And I, they weren't as good as I was expecting them to right. be. Right. Agreed. You know, and, we, and we've noticed this with the festivals from time to time. And our, our impression, we don't have any proof of this, but our impression is that sometimes you just are tasting a dish that somebody might have had a heavier hand in adding salt than other times. So it may not be the same experience right. for everybody. Try it for or yourself. on the same day, and, you know, on a different day. I was just telling you what our experience was. It doesn't mean that if you're looking forward and excited to try them, that you shouldn't try them. Um, like I said, they were crispy. Uh, they were what you get from what you expect from yucca fries in that regard. Right. They just The salt level was just a little more than I would have preferred uh, in this dish. Exactly. Now, the other thing that we tried that was brand new there were the pickle fries with dill ranch. Michelle, what did you think of the pickle fries? I surprisingly loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Now, the only thing that I will say is uh, the the ones on top are crispier <laughs> than the ones. So so either separate them right away uh, or, or, or eat them quickly because the ones that we had that sat at the bottom were getting a little soggy in some of the juice that had. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily that because I had one later that had sat for a while uh-huh. that was crispy. Um, so I think it just, it, it varies on how, how they're fried and how is. they're served up or whatever, but they were very, very good. Yeah. Especially if you got a really, I mean, even, even the ones that weren't as crisp were, were pretty good. Uh, but if you got a really crispy one, it was yeah, on point. It was um, great. Highly recommended. If you like pickles and who doesn't like fried food, right. um, <laughs> it's very, very good. Um, I really, really enjoyed those. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, surprisingly really yummy. Yes, for sure. So from there, we headed over to, because, you know, 
hashtag save the Muppets, <laughs> we headed over to the brewing lab at the Odyssey because we had to check out what was going on there. Um, and let me tell you, I, I don't think that they did. They disappointed in what they have going on over there. One in the ambiance right. and the fun and the quirkiness of the Muppets being in that area. But also the food that we tried was very, very good. Right. Yeah. The the decor they really put out there was amazing. It really went with the theming that they were trying to, to um, you know, display there. The tables were even decorated with things that like had... Um, graphs and things of supposed tests that they right. had done and it was just comical but cute but a lot of attention to detail in the in the room and the decor so I thought that was awesome a lot of easter eggs um, they have videos going on that and different things changing while you're there so it, it's not just looking at you know it paintings on the wall or whatever it was it was very lively and from time to time you saw them on tv and doing some experiments and it was it was well done in that regard mm -hmm. uh yeah i really enjoyed the space and again it's also it's in the odyssey so it's also a nice space to get out of the heat for yes. a little bit you got the air conditioning there and uh, we really enjoyed our, our time there and the food that we ate there. So here's what we got. We did not, I'll tell you right off the bat, we did not try the pickle shake, mostly <laughs> because Michelle had already had a day of ice yes, cream. Yes, I couldn't do any more so ice cream. So we weren't going to do any of that. We still hope to try that inside a future yes. visit. Um, we just didn't try it this time. But here's what we did try. We tried the peanut butter and jelly sticky wings, the impossible buffalo chicken tenders with plant-based blue cheese, plant-based ranch and celery, the Buffalo Brussels sprouts with plant-based blue cheese and plant-based ranch. And we, of course, had to have a little adult beverage to go along with it. We also had the Three Daughters Brewing Old Fashioned Porter. Uh, Michelle, I know you had much, well, actually Scott had most of, but you had some of the peanut butter and jelly sticky wings. What did you think of those? They were great. They were so delicious. I really loved them. The, the flavor is more peanut butter. Um, if you think of a peanut sauce on like it a, um, like a Thai, Thai. peanut sauce mm -hmm. yeah. right exactly uh, but you did get a little bit of the sweetness like the jelly portion of it as well sticky does not <laughs> even come close to describing very messy how messy these things are um, when you're hitting up the napkins stand at, you need to get Three to four times the amount of napkins that you would think you'd and need. The wet naps and everything yeah. else. I mean, unless you messy. just put the whole thing in your mouth and, and you know. You're still going to get it all over your hands. Right. You, that's are, true. They are messy. That's true. Uh, but they're, I, I, I had just a little piece of one and I thought it was delicious. Yes. Uh, they looked very good. They were good. And I'm glad they added those. Um, as I mentioned, and the porter was delicious. Yes. The porter was very good and it did go well with a lot of these dishes. Yes. Um, I did uh, also try the impossible Buffalo chicken tenders, as I mentioned. And, um, I, I think I had more of this than you mm -hmm. did, but I will say this about them as I thought they were really, really good. Um, in the past, I haven't been a big fan of some of the, um, plant-based plant meat, the chicken, chicken dishes, right. uh, a lot of plant-based meats. I like the chicken dishes. I haven't feel like they've made nailed the texture right. well yet. They did with these. Mm -hmm. This feels like a chicken nugget. Right. Like it really, when you bit into it, it was crispy. It was wonderful. Um, and it, you would have could have easily confused it with a chicken nugget. Right. It right. was that kind of good. Yes. Um, and it was nice. It had a good buffalo flavor to it. 
Um, the fact that the blue cheese and the ranch were plant-based didn't take away from right. it at all. You wouldn't have really, I, I didn't really notice it. I thought they, you would have thought they're regular blue cheese, regular ranch. It was very, very good. Uh, spicy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Buffalo, right. um, Buffalo spicy, not like, I, like I, I've heard the other wings, the extremely hot, mm-hmm. but um, it was exceedingly tasty or whatever they're called is really, really hot. Um, I'm not one to go into that realm, but um, this is okay for me. And I thought they were very, very good. Yeah. Tasty. Uh, personally, for me, it was like small doses. Right. Uh, it probably would have been better for me to have that if I had had the shake. Mm, right. Something to cool it, cool out, it down yeah. in between bites. So yeah. not having had that shake, it it was a little bit for me a lot, yeah. but yeah. I could have done it more in smaller doses. It's very good if you if you're into if you're looking for a plant based option and right. you you, you kind of want that meat feeling. I thought these were really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, another way to go, and believe me, this is the one that I'm going to sell on you because I think it was fantastic. The buffalo Brussels sprouts there are phenomenal yes they are so very good if you like like buffalo wings but you like brussels sprouts they make them on site so it takes a little longer to get 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 them out there um but they're crispy on the outside you know a little bit soggy from the sauce but the flavor profile is perfect again plant-based blue cheese plant-based ranch you don't know it these were arguably my favorite dish of the day they were wonderful right Again, I love the flavor and tasty. It was, again, the heat. Having a lot of it was a bit much for me. That next time we try it and and get it, I will definitely get the shake so I can enjoy it a little bit better. But Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It was tasty, tasty. Really, really good. Um, Hope you get a chance to try them out. So that was kind of it. We we were already fairly full at that point. So we went ahead and headed back to our room. Um, had a little dessert, had a little wine, and called it an evening. Spent the night um, and didn't do a whole lot else the next day. We just kind of enjoyed the resort for right. what it was um, and then headed on home. So it was a short trip, but it was a really nice trip. And we can't wait to do more out there with the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Now, before we get into the Disney Stories of the Week, I want to talk a little bit about our great friend, Nate, with Main Street and more travel, because let's face it, we all have trips we're thinking about taking in the very near future. Well, if you do, whether it be to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, or anywhere in the world beyond, let me tell you, Nate is the certified Disney vacation planner that you are going to want to get in contact with. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, as we, you know, mention all the time, he really has firsthand knowledge of things so he can really help you plan, customize a a trip that is going to be the best for you, answer your questions. It's really concierge level planning that doesn't cost you anything. High end. It is high end stuff that he will help you out with answer all your questions. He is there for you to make sure your trip, wherever it may be, be the best it possibly can be. And as Michelle mentioned, no extra cost to you. That's because either Disney or whatever other travel branch that he works through pays him for you. Your What you end up paying 
is exactly what you pay. If you did all that work yourself, only you can save that time and just relax and enjoy and let him set it all up for you. Right. And you know what? He may even be able to save you some money from you doing it alone because he is on top of all the deals and steals that are out there. Yeah. There's never a guarantee. But let me tell you, if there's a discount out there, Nate will find it for you. So what you got to do is go to dizchipsandmore.com, fill out the form there and just contact him, talk to him, tell him what you want to do and let him get to work for you. Right. So as Tom mentioned, once you fill out that form, Nate will be back in touch with you to start that planning, but be sure to tell him that Tom and Michelle sent you. Yeah. Again, that's Nate with Main Street and more travel. All right. Now let's go ahead and get to our Disney stories of the week. I don't have a lot for you this week, but that's okay because we've run a little bit long already on this episode. So I'm just going to rip through this really quickly. Uh, start with if you're a college hoops fan and have plans to be at the Walt Disney World Resort area this Thanksgiving, we have some news for you that you might be interested in. This from the Disney Parks blog. They say first round matchups have been announced for the 2023 ESPN events invitational taking place Thanksgiving weekend, November 23rd through the 26th at the Walt Disney World Resort. The men's college basketball tournament features top-notch matchups starting with four quality games on Thanksgiving Day. Here's the, here's the matchups. Penn State versus Texas A&M. Florida Atlantic versus Butler. Iowa State versus VCU, also known as Virginia Commonwealth. And Boise State versus Virginia Tech. Six of these teams were in this year's, or, excuse me, in, yeah, six of these teams were in this year's field played for the 2023 NCAA tournament, including Florida Atlantic, which made it all the way to the Final Four for the first time in school's history. Who did they lose to in the Final Four? <laughs> I think they were Aztecs or something like <laughs> I know, that. But, right? No, but that was uh, they had a great Fighting. epic matchup between San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, and that was a great turnout for them. And it's going to be great for them to be in this tournament. Uh, moving on with the story, a win on Thanksgiving will put teams on track for the semifinals on Black Friday, November 24th, and the championship game on Sunday, November 26th. All games will be played at the 5,000-seat State Farm Fieldhouse at ESPN's Wild World, Wide World of Sports Complex. And if you're thinking about going, whether you're visiting the Walt Disney Resort or if you're just local and want to go out and see some good college hoops, uh, tickets are now available, including single session tickets and all tournament tickets, which gets you into every game. And more information can be found at ESPNEvents.com. Nice. Yeah, I know Michelle's not. College basketball, whatever. It's nice. uh, you know, it's funny because when I go to a game, I enjoy it myself. I love basketball games. But the thought of going to a basketball game doesn't initially intrigue me. Right. I get it. I get it. But uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I love the matchups. I think this is going to be a, an excellent kind of, yeah, it's kind of a preseason tournament per se. Uh, so that'll be kind of fun for everybody involved there. And if you get a chance to go see, that's some good basketball. Very good. Exactly. Very good. So that's it for my Disney stories of the week. However, I think Michelle has a little tidbit she wants to share. And you know, her stories are always the best stories. Michelle, what you got? Okay, well, I'm going to be brief. Like you said, we've already gone too long on this episode. So just going to announce a couple things. One is if you're at a Disney around the world this month, there are some special treats that you can find in celebration of World Princess Week. So World Princess Week actually is coming up soon, uh, August 20th that week. However, they've already started selling 
their special treats that are going through till the end of the month. So especially at the resorts, check out and see that there are things, most of them are, are mobile order and try out something that you might not normally get to experience. And the other also food announcement is that over at Saratoga Springs, Artist Palette has kind of refreshed their menu like we're seeing happen throughout different resorts. So they have some new dishes. Uh, for example, for breakfast, they have a new avocado toast that really looks great. I'm not going to go through all of it, but uh, if it's a resort that you've eaten at before, they, they're keeping some of their favorite, people's favorites dishes, but they're adding some new things to it. Very cool. Uh, I always like a refreshed menu. Yes. Finding some new exciting things to try yes. for sure. So Michelle's stories always the best <laughs> I stories. I don't think so. Speaking of the best for Michelle... Well, it's that time. We never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's wonderful, awesome, all things fantastic in the world. You heard it earlier. She does the best research. You just heard it. She has the best stories. But one thing for sure, she definitely has the very best tips. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week. Well, you're kind, honey. Uh, so my tip has to do with ice cream since I have had a day of ice cream recently. And that is if you're at the Magic Kingdom and you're getting ice cream, especially if you're at the Plaza ice cream shop there, there are some seatings outside the little tables and chairs. And, and when you do sit there, you do get to really experience Main Street USA and seeing the castle. But again, hot weather. It's really uncomfortable sometimes there and a place that you can enjoy. It's also hard to come by there because everybody goes true. there. That everybody is true. Goes there. Mm -hmm. So another option is to go up that ramp towards Tomorrowland where the, like the Tomorrowland Terrace is. And if you go all the way to the end of the ramp to your right is a sitting area that's typically either empty or maybe two or three tables being used and you can enjoy your ice cream treat there a lot cooler. Yeah. And they also have areas that you can plug in to refresh your cell phone batteries and yeah. all kinds of things like that. So it's, it's definitely a hidden spot that you might not even think of, but very much desirable during right. this heated hot time. Hot time. Yeah, it's one of our favorite spots. And uh, just note that that's probably more during the day as they get closer to the evening and closer to the fireworks. Right. That's also where they hold the, the, the dessert parties right. are right. in there. So they're going to they'll start closing that area off to get set for those. But during the day, those are wide open. People just kind of skim by them. They don't even really pay attention to them. So there's almost always great seating. Yes, and yes it's undercover uh, in the shade. Uh, so it's a really nice spot to sit and enjoy a whatever you're right. eating yeah, or if even you just want to just take a load off for a little true. while. That's yeah. true. Or if you bring your own food and you want to just sit in a cool area, that's also enough. For sure. Very so. good. Michelle's tip, always the best <laughs> tip, especially this week because I've been very busy this week. It's been hot. Hydrate, everybody. There's my tip. Hydrate, 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 hydrate. It's been crazy hot here. We're talking yes. like it's been pushing 115 index here. Right. I mean, that's what it feels like, like to be at the five parks. Days in a row. Yeah. You definitely want to hydrate, but it doesn't matter what the temperature is. You should hydrate. But definitely on these days, man, drinking that water all the time. Exactly. It's important for you. So that's it. That's it for this week's show. Next week, well, we're approaching very quickly 
a new Disney Plus series that we are extremely oh, excited yeah. about. Ahsoka will soon be coming to Disney Plus, and we couldn't be more thrilled about Live it. Live action Ahsoka. Live action Ahsoka. And we are going to bring in some of our friends to discuss it, and better yet, discuss Star Wars Rebels, because a lot of these characters, if you don't know already, that you are going to be seeing within the new Ahsoka series, were in Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. So we're going to take a little bit of a peek back at that series and kind of see how we think it might transition forward into the Ahsoka series. And we'll be doing that with our great friends, Pat and Charles from the Conversations podcast. Yes, if you ever want to have just the greatest time listening to a podcast, other than hopefully ours, um, check out Conversations. They are fun. They share a lot of great information. I always learn things listening to their their podcast. And you learn what dorks they are? <laughs> they're funny, but they're great. Them. They're the, the kindest hearted people. We love people. those dorks. Yes, they're the kindest hearted people that you could get to know. And so we're, we're very honored that they're our friends and that they're going to be joining us for this very exciting yeah. uh, topic. It's going to be a fun time, a fun discussion of Star Wars Rebels and looking forward into Ahsoka. It will all tie in together and it's going to be a great time. And we hope you'll join us for that. As for today's show, we appreciate that you join us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, so we're on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. We're there at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like this show and want to help support it, Please tell a friend or family member to take a listen. And if you get a moment, give us a five-star review. It always helps. Yep. We really appreciate it. Give us a five-star review. We will read it on the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.